Michelle. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Better Words. Hi. Hi, how are you going? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm good. Gosh, this almost sounds like it's good enough to just use. Well, it was until you said that. I know. Sorry. <laughs> it threw me off. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. So let's just go straight into it. Okay. What the hell? What the hell did I just read on the New Yorker today? Oh, my I, God. I don't everyone know. Everyone must be talking about Everyone must be talking about it. I mean, I hope so because, damn, is it interesting. Oh, so juicy. So... For anyone who's listening to this and doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, where have you been for the last 24 hours? Someone um, someone on Twitter, a publishing person, said that this story is the publishing industry's fire festival. And I love that <laughs> I think analogy a, so yeah, much. I think so, that works perfectly. Oh, if you watched the fire festival documentary or just find these sorts of like scam things interesting at all you need to look up the new york times expose on aj finn oh gosh sorry new yorker thank you that's what i was saying in my head and it came out wrong um (laughs) the new yorkers expose on aj finn aka dan mallory oh my goodness I don't even know where to start with it. Well, somewhere to start may be that if the name sounds familiar, it's because he's the author of the very successful um, The Woman in the Window. Um, And it's all about, well, him, I guess. I mean, he worked in publishing before his book was published and like it was just got like an overnight success and like I think the movie is supposed to come out in October with Amy Adams yeah and someone else Neil Patrick Harris I think sounds right I don't know like it is so crazy successful and and if you were on bookstagram last year like you would have seen it everywhere it was like uh, the only other ones I can think of that were like this were Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine Mm. and um there's probably been a couple of others that I feel like just always in my feed, everybody is reading them. And this was one of those books. And we saw him speak at Brisbane Writers Festival. Yes, we did. (laughs) Everyone was talking about him then too. It was crazy. The whole festival, like everyone you Everyone was buzzing about AJ Finn. Everyone was like, have you seen AJ Finn? It It was crazy. But, oh, my God, I don't even know what to say about this article and this whole story. I feel like people just have to go read it for themselves. You have to, but to give you a summary of why we're so shocked, they're accusing him of um, having faked cancer. Well, not faked cancer, but told people that he has cancer to get jobs off the back of a sob story about having cancer, about his mum dying, apparently. I know. She was also with him on his tour in Australia yeah, she I was. Just don't I remember even that. Where, yeah, he made a joke about her being in the audience with us. Oh my god! And I just so don't bad. even know where to start because I just find this sort of deception is just so. It's like the Bell Gibson thing. It's just so bloody cruel. Like, yeah, this sort of stuff does happen to people, and it does change their entire lives. Like, you don't get to just use 
this as a way to get out yeah. of a meeting or to make your life seem more interesting. Exactly. Did. And I think that's part of it as well is that there are many other, like, I guess things like that that are less serious than cancer that seem to have been exaggerated or just completely made up that mm. that the story gets, you know, miscommunicated. And I think there was one point in the article in The New Yorker where the journalist said he spoke to his dad and his dad said that he hates being misquoted. But it's actually, but what is being misquoted when he keeps telling different stories, mm, different yeah. versions of the same story? Yeah, I suppose. Side note, I'm trying to sit somewhere quiet in my house and just everything's conspiring against me to to do this recording. Either it's a loud car or a chirpy bird or whatever. So I'm sorry, but I've tried to find the quietest part of my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's anyway, right. yeah, I'm just so shocked. And it's like a crazy bit. I feel like, have you watched the Fire Festival documentary yet? I haven't actually. Oh, because there is this bit in it about this guy who, I don't know, I'm sure you've seen the memes, about this guy who says he will give a blowjob to get bottles of Evian water. <laughs> it's the, the memes around it, like, gosh, some of them are hilarious. Yeah, but I think I have seen For something. me, like, yeah. the moment that was just beyond belief in this story is that he peed in those cups and left them around the office. Oh my God. I know. What was that about? And there was another author who he was representing as an editor who became really suspicious of him and like hired a private investigator and had that great, like amazing um, title of her book, which, cause she writes um, Agatha Christie books and the title yes. of the book was like you're, so, yeah. you're So Vain, You Probably Think This Praro Is About You, which I loved. I just love that so much. Oh, my god, That was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was like a real highlight of the whole story, <laughs> I think, for me. That was just brilliant. But in general, I am just – I'm just really – I'm always just, shocked at these things. See, I know. And I just like I hope that this – well, I hope, I suppose, I can't wait to see where the story continues from here um, yeah. because, yeah, I only read it today. So, yes, everyone, I hope you've Googled it already. I hope you're reading it right now because it's so, so interesting and everything else we talk about in this intro will be less interesting. And I know probably. it's long, but I actually listened to it because they've got an embedded audio player for it and the, listening to it is like an hour and ten minutes. It is worth it. Like, Oh, it's so juicy. It's <laughs> so, so juicy. Like if it you like Fire Festival, watch this shit. And also um, Caroline Carraway as well was the, like the recent one. Oh, my gosh, and yes. Belle Gibson, like, oh. Okay. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to be thinking about this all night now. Like I'm just fascinated and I just don't know how – I just don't know how you have that confidence. I know. Oh. Anyway. I just don't get it. Oh, and actually, you know, this is quite good timing because I just started listening to a podcast called The Dropout, which I highly recommend to anyone who's finding the whole AJ Finn thing fascinating because this is about a woman called Elizabeth Holmes who had supposedly invented a pinprick test and a smartphone app that could analyse your blood. Do you oh. remember that? It was, yeah. it was in the news. I remember hearing about it somewhere and I can't remember where I heard 
this whole thing had happened, but she took in heaps and heaps and heaps of investors like Rupert Murdoch invested in it. Like all these amazingly powerful, wealthy people invested in this and it was a scam. And so this podcast series is only two episodes out so far. It's kind of showing the inside story. So Download that if you found any of the AJ Finn stuff or the Bell Gibson stuff or any of the scam stuff fascinating. Because it's so interesting, yeah. So I was just listening to that before we started recording this and it's really good. Cool. Oh, But, yes, I feel like everything else we discuss now is going to be way less interesting. I know. I know, right? I mean. While we're on the topic of psychopathic, sociopathic, manipulative, lying, um, Why does this stuff seem to be surrounding our world right now? I know. It really does because we were talking – I can't even remember if we talked about Ted Bundy last week, but it I definitely, think... you know, is something that I've been talking about with my other friends at work and stuff. But what I wanted to talk to you about today was you, the TV show on Netflix, which we both finally watched. Yes. I think I have two episodes left, actually. Oh. Have you finished it? Yeah, I finished it. Okay, well, we can't give away any spoilers anyway, Michelle. What if someone no, hasn't I watched it? I know, but can we just talk about, like, how weird it is that oh, it's I watched so all this and then I was reading the AJ Finn stuff and I was like, this is so weird. Like, I literally sent you lines from the AJ Finn article and was like, this sounds like it was written about a serial killer. <laughs> but, oh, my God. Okay, so you, so crazy. Dan from Gossip Girl has, like, gotten weird. Okay, I'm not going to repeat all of that stuff because it's been all over the internet about, like, you know, Dan from Gossip Girl has gone a bit extra. Emily from Pretty Little Lies is still probably in love with her beautiful blonde best friend. Like, (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. But actually, um, Shay Mitchell was really good in this series. I thought her character was great. I really liked. Yeah, well, I mean, she's kind of awful, but I thought Shay Mitchell was great. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it was interesting the way they switched the narration around a little bit the longer you got into the series because then you became even more invested in Beck's character. Yes, definitely. I really liked that too. And it was interesting because I think originally I thought that the whole story was going to be, you know, Joe, 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 and then it would be like, well, well, who even is Beck? Do we actually know anything about Beck? But no, you do learn things about Beck that make you go, hmm, so she's, like, also kind of a nutcase. Yeah, she's like, definitely not perfect. She's no. She's definitely not perfect. She is um, not. Yeah, it's a very interesting show. I think particularly interesting that this came out and was very big on Netflix with people being like, oh, my God, so swimworthy. And then the whole Ted Bundy, Zac Efron thing happened and I wrote about on my blog with, the Ted Bundy thing, how his looks are actually an integral part of why we're still talking about him because we find it incredibly hard to believe that someone's so good looking. And you know what, at this point, I don't care whether you object, like find him attractive or not. Objectively, he is a good looking white middle-class man, right? Yeah. So he's and not, he doesn't look like a monster. Story. That is my point. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you don't think he looks attractive or like, you're like, ew, I'm not attracted to him. The point is he doesn't look like a serial killer. He doesn't look like John Wayne Gacy in a clown suit. And neither does Penn Badgley 
as Joe Goldberg. As Joe Goldberg, exactly. Yeah, he does not look like a psychopath. An interesting like parallel, actually. I know we've, I think we've discussed personally the parallels between Joe and Ted Bundy. But another mm-hmm. interesting parallel just between like Zach Efron and Penn Badgley is that girls around our age were, you know, in love with Dan on Gossip Girl or loved mm. Troy on High School Musical, you know, like they're, I guess, similar ages. I actually don't know how old either of them are, but yeah, they'd be similar point. ages. And now well, you is definitely directed a bit more at, you know, our age ranges, like that type of story and dramatic TV show, whereas the Ted Bundy movie it's like I've been joking that it's Efron's Oscar grab. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, both of those actors, like with girls our age, like between, oh, I mean, honestly, between like 15 and 30 to put a broader bracket on it, mm. you know, have, you know, really liked these actors and other characters that they have played for the past 10 years. Mm. Yeah. Which is yeah. just an interesting, another interesting parallel as these keep coming out at the same time. And mm. I saw today that the Ted Bundy movie, is it extremely shocking, something vile? I don't remember. Um, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile, which, which is, is just an, like it's a, a really tr- long name. It but. is an atrociously long name, but it comes from a direct quote of what the judge said about him. But I have so many issues with that because then the judge turned around and was like, well, you take care of yourself now. Like, excuse me, you're talking to a murderer. Anyway, oh, that's anyways. a side story. Anyways what, I was gonna say, anyways, what I was going to say is that the movie is actually being released on Netflix now. I saw something today that yes. Netflix bought it at the Sundance Film Festival. Yes, which makes sense because the same director directed the Ted Bundy tapes, which is the documentary. Which were on Netflix. Yes, yeah. and it's meant to be viewed as a pair as well, apparently. So yes. I think it's very cool. Yeah, I think that yeah. that is cool. Yeah, it's but probably not think, something that's happened too often before. I think you was really interesting because it really shows how these actions can be justified in certain ways and how like little things can add up to be really concerning like yeah. little little red flags we like oh that's not that's not a big deal or whatever yeah oh, starts to be getting and, like, really weird and also the common things that's when those things are are a little bit creepy but you like the person or yes. the person how you go oh it's all right and it's like and your friends are all like no he's crazy Yes, but you, like yeah. because it's not coming from some creepy like old man on the street, you're like, exactly, oh, that's it's okay. Fine. Like, oh, this is so cute. No, yeah, no, no, like no, no, the, no. Yeah, I it's will say though, um, from my very basic understanding of a psychopath versus a sociopath, I would say that Joe Goldberg is a sociopath, not a psychopath, mm-hmm. because yes, sociopaths are more prone to those violent outbursts. Not that Ted Bundy didn't have them, but I just feel like. Well, like Joe as a character, we have his internal monologue where he thinks that he's not capable of doing these things. And I think that's the difference. Whereas someone like Ted Bundy obviously set out to kill people and 
there's a very definite intention there. And mm. while there still is an intention with Joe, sociopath, um, it, a lot of it felt a lot more he tries to justify it or he tries to, whereas, you know, and even he, I think he even says like, oh, I'm not going to kill someone like for the fun. He's like, who, who would do like that? that? Yeah, yeah. So I think the mindset is slightly different, but the two kind of do work together. Like the two characteristics do meld into one, but there are a few differences I've saw between those characters just because like you said, we've been watching, like it's all sort of coming out at the same time. So I feel like it's been in my head. (laughs) It's just been really, really bizarre. I know it's been an interesting time um, and Mm. that was a very wonderful discussion. But I think just before we move on to our fantastic interview. Yes. I have two quick things. I have two quick things I want to say. I I was going to say, I believe that Carly's book is the most, is the one that we both have most recently purchased. Yes, definitely. I know that you have just started it. I'm very much looking forward to starting it this week. I can't wait. I'm so excited it's finally out in the world. <laughs> I'm actually only um, a few pages in yeah, um, just because I've been doing like painting at Jack's house and stuff like that, but love it already. I just, yeah, brilliant already, of course. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think the only other thing that I was going to quickly mention, which I'm now slightly blanking about, was something else about a TV show. Maybe I don't have anything. Maybe it was just you. <laughs> Literally me. Um, so I just have two <laughs> quick things I want to add just because if I don't mention this movie and there are kids outside and Percy's just going a little bit going a little bit crazy there, um, if I don't mention this movie I'm going to forget in a fortnight. Today I had the day off and I saw Mary Queen of Scots. Oh, I'm so jealous. It was incredible. Of course it was. Yeah, I don't know and I want to know how historically accurate it is, but in terms of the clothing and the the filming and the way that the castles and everything was set up, it's incredible, amazing. I hope they win some awards for their incredible costuming. Oh, I'm sure they will. It was wonderful. Um, cannot pronounce her name correctly, sir. Sisha Ronan. Thank you. Do that again. Sisha. Thank you. I was talking over you before. No, <laughs> Sisha right. Ronan. I learned that from a Cecilia Ahern novel. <laughs> anyway. um, she was amazing as Mary, Queen of Scots, and Margot Robbie was really, really stunning as Elizabeth. I'm so excited. I can't yeah, believe you've seen it. I'm it. so jealous. It's so good. It. It's so good. Uh, and then the only other thing I want to mention is the last book I read was called Flawed and it was a novel by seven young adult authors from the UK and it was really, really wonderful. And if you're looking for like a diverse book that's not just diversity of race or religion, so this is quite diverse in terms of economic inequality, in terms of um, one character has a um, gradual visual impairment and in terms of discussing things like abortion and also elderly parents, which I really like found very interesting because that's not something that is discussed like ever in the media and Mm. um, having a parent that has a like degenerative disease. So that is a really, really interesting book. 
because it sounds good. Can I borrow it? Yes. Um, so <laughs> I was going to lend it to one of my work colleagues as well. But, yes, you can borrow. It's very good. It's a lot okay. deeper than I – not deeper, but I thought it was going to be more lighthearted. But it's oh, okay. quite – it's not sad, but it's just really – like packed a bit of a punch in there so yeah very good oh well that's good sometimes Mm, absolutely (laughs) so we will um we will now let you listen to our interview we were so excited to do this like I'm so glad that we got to have Carly join us again yes I feel like I'm low-key obsessed with Carly but I just love her so (laughs) low-key yeah (laughs) you kid yourself (laughs) it's pretty it's pretty obvious we hope that you enjoy listening to her as much as we do and we'll see you later Our guest today, we think, needs no introduction, mainly because we spoke to her last year when her debut memoir, Say Hello, was announced. But we are absolutely delighted to welcome Carly Finlay back to Better Words after the official release of her book. Carly is a disability activist, a writer, a public speaker, and genuinely an all-round lovely person. So welcome back, Carly, and big congratulations on the book officially being out. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be back. Thank you. <laughs> um, you actually, we must say, big shout out to you for always being really supportive of this venture as well. Yeah. I love your podcast. <laughs> right. And also, um, can I just raise a little issue that happened um, after I was on your podcast? Yeah. Um, I have had a serial troll and that serial troll um, left a quite a nasty comment on your podcast which I felt terrible about no it's it's not your they were no they they seriously would go to everything that I would do like if I did a speech and the company would put a photo up they would go and leave them a bad rating and they you know they never even went to the speech so they had an issue with me for a couple of years I got an apology from them a few months ago oh my god it was so bizarre (laughs) I think it's um it's amazing I always find that someone could spend their life Uh doing that um yeah and yeah I just don't I mean I just abide by the you know if you don't agree with it unless it's you know really bad just scroll on like you don't yeah need to to start that argument and I think this week particularly I've been reflecting on the fact that the brilliance of online is that we can Mm. create communities that we find really inspiring and really uplifting And um, I think particularly it's, a, it's something to do with podcast groups as well um, yeah. because we're all in the shameless podcast group, yes. which yes. I'm going to talk and a little bit about too. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, side note, everyone should go listen to your chat with those girls as well because yeah. it was fantastic. That was a great chat. Yeah, yeah. And, and before yeah. we start the interview properly, um, I am going to say for any listeners who want to know more about, um, I guess, the the more personal side of the book and um, a few issues raised in the book and about ableism and stuff, apart from the fact that we did talk about that last time, um, mm-hmm. we're not going to go over that again today because we'd like to point point people to the interview that you did with Shameless. Um, yeah. We felt that that was really good and we'd really like to, to focus on, um, I guess, the writing aspect because we are, I guess, more of a bookish podcast. Yeah. But we want everyone to go and listen to you chat on there too because it was a great, it was a great Thank you. That was a fun chat, yeah. Parts which you recommend people yeah. as another podcast. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll link to that as well because we thought that was great and we genuinely love the Shameless Girls and not just because yeah, one of them great. is also called Michelle. But. 
<laughs> um, oh, we actually that, yeah. found them after uh, Michelle's piece on that that weird vagina big king yeah, string thing. <laughs> thing. And I, we I loved style so much we had to follow her and, yeah. <laughs> oh, was, that was a great article. Yeah. <laughs> but generally I've found that that group, um, the Chat 10 group we've talked about a lot, yeah. um, a lot of podcast groups are very supportive and I think yes. we are lucky that we can surround ourselves with good things yeah. on the internet. Um, yeah, I have a podcast um, group for, for our podcast refreshments provided and they are great. Um, mostly they just post food pictures. <laughs> um, but it was very funny. My co-host went to uh, Japan early, uh, late last year and next to his hotel was a Paul McCartney concert and they were rehearsing. So he was going down and getting us some <gasps> exclusive audio from oh the God. Paul McCartney concert <laughs> rehearsal. I can't remember if we <laughs> talked amazing. about that last time or not, but if we didn't, um, Carly is also a massive Paul McCartney fan mm. and she went to his concert yes. in Melbourne and I'd just been we to one in Brisbane. That. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we won't, we won't go over it again because Kevin's like, oh, my God, jeez. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that, that is so lovely. In fact, I've been thinking, Caitlin, should we start a podcast group? I don't know. I just love Facebook oh, groups. I love I them. I know. I love I'm them in so, so much. many of them. I love it because <laughs> Jules and Sarah, one of my other favourite podcasts, just started there podcast group as well and it's just nice to be around supportive people anyway like yeah. let us know if there's a, a desperate need for that but we'll- I saw a great photo on the shameless um stories or Instagram and I think I shared it with my with on my stories yesterday and it, it said something like like I was a pie chart I know the one like, yeah you know <laughs> pod, like my best friends are podcast hosts yeah my pets my actual friends <laughs> Yeah, we that's... have a lovely Venn diagram because we are friends in real life and we're podcast hosts yeah. and we listen to so many podcasts. It's just yep. beautiful. <laughs> and yep. I think someone shared that to me and I was like, you need to increase the pets one and decrease the real life friends one because I do probably <laughs> spend more time with my dog. <laughs> well, I don't have any pets, so I'll have to increase the it. Pod- yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, Carly. I don't have any pets either. So No matter how much yeah. my dog tries to, like, drag oh. your attention, every time she Percy's comes to my house to me. record, I'm like, oh, she's not here to see you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll crack on with the actual proper interview. Um, Carly, I think um, it, it might be good for people who maybe aren't familiar with your work and aren't familiar with you, although you yes. all should be because Carly's <laughs> amazing. Um, could you explain what ichthyosis is and how it affects your daily life? Sure. So ichthyosis is a rare severe skin condition. Um, I don't know the percentage of people that have it, but it's pretty rare. Like it's one in a million kind of rare. Mm. Um, And there's a lot of different types of ichthyosis with a lot of different like looks. Um, You know, the skin presents itself in different ways depending on what kind of ichthyosis you have. And also there's a lot of different severities and symptoms and treatments so mine is nephitin syndrome type and it's quite severe um i just look sunburnt um the skin is quite painful it's very red um it is itchy really itchy most of the time painful um a lot of the time and but more so it's quite socially difficult so um people are very rude in asking me personal questions and i guess that's how say hello the concept and the book came about because people ask me about my appearance before they engage in a conversation with me yeah Mm. that's just I mean it's such a simple thing isn't it just say hello like I think (laughs) that's why I love the 
the title of the book too. It's It's perfect. It's a fantastic title. It really is perfect. Um, And when we spoke to you last year, um, mm-hmm. I think you just finished the first draft. Um, so can yeah, you talk probably. Us through, yeah, yeah. Say that. Um, so talk oh my gosh, to this... us about the editing process and like what kind of major changes and things like that yeah. happened um, during yeah. the process. So the first draft uh, that was like I don't know that was kind of like writing my university thesis. You know, like I'd or five of them, no, nine of them, nine university <laughs> thesis. Because um, a universe, my, my thesis was 10,000 words. This was 90,000 words. So, oh, so many. When I, so it's like each 10,000 word milestone. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. When I got to 50,000, I cried. Oh. And when I got to nine or eight, I think it was like 80,000 actually, the the first draft, Um, I um. I was very relieved, but it wasn't finished. So obviously the first draft is the first draft. And then the editor had all these different ideas. She wanted me to write it a little bit more descriptively, like the show don't tell kind of thing, um, which I don't really know how to do actually. Uh, I don't know whether that comes from just writing in a kind of journalistic or conversational kind of way, but I don't really know how to do that. Mm. Um don't think that I achieved that to be honest I I think there would have been about uh, probably seven seven drafts after that but not all of them you know not all of them are working on the whole book so um, the second draft I added a heap more um, you know where they asked me to put things um, and then and then there was the structural edit which is the third draft and that is moving things around and um, like say they want to see something that relates to my childhood that I might have written in chapter seven, move back to the childhood chapter, which is chapter three. Mm. Um, and they want me to add more things, take things away. Uh, so really moving things around. So I guess if you had, if you, if I was the organized type, which I'm not, <laughs> I would have a heap of post-it notes and move them around. But instead I just did them on the screen. That's um, the way of the world these days. Yeah, everything's <laughs> yeah. on the screens. Yeah, um, I think that um, the then then when the structural edit was done, that was really like that was probably the worst edit. That was really really hard, and you don't really know where to start because there's so much to move around, and you have to cut and paste. And I did a whole heap of my book on my iPad, which makes it hard because it's not a very big screen. I was joking. Um, I can't remember which interview I was talking about it in. Um, it might have been in in the um, oh yeah it was in my book launch the other day. Um, I was joking that I would like to do my next book on a projector with a really big screen on the wall because <laughs> you need a lot of space I think to move things around and um, cut and paste. Uh, I think that's then, a really good idea. No, I've actually I have to say I found <laughs> that with um, so I'm currently scripting a true crime podcast and mm-hmm. obviously. From that, I have a lot of, it's mostly based on interviews and I have a lot of interviews and the thing that I often stay at work late to do it and keep getting interrupted by people rather than coming home and working on my laptop because my work screen is so big I can have. And you have two, right? I've turned one off because it was hurting my back. Uh, such a lady. I love Um, my two screens. So I I have such a, a wide screen that I can have one half. Uh, so I can have the interview transcript on one side and the um, script as it's going on the other side and I can copy and yeah. paste um, yeah. with, with, and it still looks like a normal size. So I totally understand mm. that it's 
I think I would like to do that next time. Like ne- I, I think I need a better setup. So mm. anyway, so that was, I guess that was one learning because it, it helps so much. Like, and I can see what you mean. If, if you've, if you've got two different documents, that big screen that you're working on for your podcast would just be so much better than mm. like a tiny iPad screen. Um, <laughs> the, and so then I think after, the, after the structural edit, I, I was I work at Melbourne Fringe now and um, mm. the festival happens in September. So I was doing like the third edit, oh, my God, during the festival. Um, oh a gosh. lot of work. So our, my hours when I work at Fringe, um, I work at Fringe for two and a half days a week, but my hours are normally 10 till 6. But on the days I worked at Fringe, my hours were we started at 12 and then I had to go in the office and then saw whatever shows after that. Um, so that was good because I had like from – I don't know, I wake up at 6.30 and I do work from about, I don't know, 7.30 till 11. Um, so I worked on my fourth or third draft during that time, which was really good because I had all that extra time in the morning. Um, but it was still a lot of pressure to get things in. Um, and then and then after, after that big draft, it was just little things. Like the editor would message me, you know, email me to ask me dot points about each chapter. Mm. And then finally I would, you know, it got down to the proofs and then it got down to the final pages and I would add things and, yeah. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like working on a huge document after the fourth draft maybe. Mm. So, yeah, some, oh, maybe, sorry, after the third draft maybe, yeah. It was just like working on, um, you know, little sections. Bits, yeah, little sections. And also once it was in a PDF form, I found the comments, really easy to use as well because like it it was so it was so small like such a small amount of um things and you can just click next on the comment or Mm. um or change or whatever and then yeah so that was really useful um it was really busy um I had a ridiculously busy year last year I also during writing while I was writing the book I also ran an event at Melbourne Fashion Week and that that yes, was like I remember a seeing my job on top of yeah. my full time job. <laughs> God, it was so ridiculous. So yeah, um, too busy for your own good. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I think all of us have a tendency to um, oh, say yes to too many things. <laughs> yeah, the more you do, the more you can get done. Yes. So yeah. that's also true. <laughs> um, so, how do you think that editing process improved? Say hello. Cause like you said, you know, that first draft is the first draft and then mm. you're spending a lot of time perfecting it. Yeah. Um, well, I went through stages of, yeah, this is looking really great to, I don't really like it. I don't think it's my best work. I, you know, um, so, and that's just kind of imposter syndrome, I guess, but the editor was amazing to work with. So firstly, she was really gentle, you know, like it was only suggestions. Mm. And um, I'll send you the link to my book launch if you like because I yeah. talked about this more in detail. But, um, you know, there were things that she said that I, that she thinks I should do because it would kind of soften it a bit and I chose not to. And then there were other times when she was like, you could really see her cheering me on, which is really <laughs> nice or really surprised at the ableism, the discrimination I faced in the book. Um, so she'd write comments in the margins um thing like just swear words in the margins <laughs> and also she kept on writing about how much she loved my mum um and I really felt grateful that she got it like there was no kind of justification mm. there or like I didn't have to justify that this behavior was bad she just got it 
Um, yeah. So that was really great. I really, um, I really enjoyed it, and it was, and it was kind of nice relationship with my editor. I, I and also, perhaps because I've been writing for the media for a long time, I had that um, that experience already. Like it wasn't like this was a new thing for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working, yeah, and getting up also, and things like that. Yeah, and also, I mean, the news cycle is so quick, and so when I work with with um, news editors who are great, um, but the level of attention was far more, um, diff- you know, far far more intense. So mm. I don't know. I had her kind of, you know, not one on one. I'm sure she was working on other things, but for a good, I don't know, four or five months, maybe longer. Mm. I love yeah, maybe, maybe actually probably longer yeah probably seven seven or eight months yeah wow. mm. I love the analogy that a good editor is like a good midwife um yeah. helping you deliver the book and deliver something that's <laughs> you know really wonderful and that that was what our editing teacher said to us as well you know that's so funny I don't think I've heard that before but that's well really, I mean it, yeah. it was said to me by an editor in an editing yeah. class but uh-huh. I was like that's the perfect description you know you should yeah. be there to guide and, and all yeah. our advice too was you know you should be gentle you're not there to criticize people and you know you're yeah. there to make yeah. the work better essentially as an editor so yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. so good that and you have someone who's on your side. Yeah, it was really lovely and actually my mum um my mum hasn't met my editor yet. My mum hasn't met Nicola yet, but my mum and dad met um Catherine who's the senior publisher at HarperCollins. Mm-hmm. And when um when she met them last week, I said Catherine knows a lot about you. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz there's that kind of they they really get to know you or um even they guided me where um something might be litigious or something might be you know like compromising a relationship or something mm-hmm. um to say are you sure you want this in here um i was really adamant at or at the moment i guess there's a tendency and it's a great tendency not to use gendered pronouns so instead of him or her you might use there um for people who are gender neutral or mm-hmm. um gender fluid gender queer and there was a, there was a part in my book where I really wanted to write about something, but I also didn't want to identify the person. And I don't know if, if the person is gender neutral or not, but I chose to use their, not her or him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the editor was asking me, why do I want to use their, like, the, you know, just use a proper pronoun. And I said, I just don't want to identify that person because if they read it, they'll know it's about them. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, there, there wasn't really any contention there, but it, it was, I, yeah, I, I had, um, I was really glad to be listened to and, and to be able to drive the book in my own way. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's wonderful. I just thought of something that I didn't write down in our preparation for this that I wanted to ask you, and that is um, that the, the tone of the book um, there was one particular comment which, you know, I think might have come from a troll um, on Goodreads saying that the book sounds angry. And it is angry. Yeah, that, exactly. That was your response. It is angry. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, the book's angry because I'm listing a whole heap of ableism that's happened to me and other people. Um, and, and, of course, it's angry. Um, and I'm allowed to be angry, but I was, I was kind of thinking joking about it that um I'm like like there's an expectation for me to be inspirational I put up an inspiration post this week that I don't Mm. want to call an inspiration other than perhaps for writing a book I'm not an inspiration for just existing and that's a complicated thing for non-disabled people to understand but um you can hear more about that on Stella's 
I mean, on Shameless Podcast where yeah. I referenced Stella Young and I also referenced it a lot in the book. But I am finding that um, the the kind of the I've got amazing reviews. The responses have been amazing. But in the last couple of days, I've had some Goodreads reviews where people have just set up an account. It seems to leave me a bad review. Um, and I, I'm guessing that some ableism spurs from that, that, that people – I'm not allowed to be seen as angry. Um, I have to be grateful. I have to be inspirational. I have to be compliant and placid. Um, and the person that called me angry said something like, oh, I, I wouldn't want Carly to be advocating for my disabled friends and family. And I said, don't worry, I haven't got time to. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that's also assuming that they can't advocate for themselves too, which. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also. Exactly. Yeah. So um, the reviews have been really amazing, um, but I I guess I have to focus on the people that really matter. And it's, you know, it's, it's really hard to, it's hard to shake that one star, but I I doubt that they'd even read it, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's probably true. Unfortunately, I think you're probably right. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. I want to come back to the publication stuff in a minute, Mm -hmm. Um, but first we want to discuss the cover uh, because it is absolutely gorgeous. The colours are so you and like anyone who follows you on social media, like (laughs) you have such a beautiful, colourful wardrobe. I do. Yeah, it was just such a gorgeous cover, but... I know as well you were very specific about what you wanted the cover to achieve. Yes. So can yeah, you yeah. talk us through that process? Yes. Yeah, so the cover is, is me standing, smiling, and I'm looking really approachable and I'm wearing bright clothes. Um, I wanted that because Say Hello invites people to come up and say hello. It invites people to engage with me, not to be frightened, not, not to drop their perceptions uh, of fear. Um or and fear um so i and i also didn't want to be airbrushed in it the troll that commented yesterday called me fraudulent because i'm not as red on the on the cover and i responded to say well my redness depends on a number of factors like the light how well i feel that day whether i'm out in the sun Mm. whether i'm sore whether i am infected all of that stuff which is in the book (laughs) um (laughs) yeah and but but um, I, I'm really happy with it because it shows my amazing range of wardrobe. There's three pictures of me on the book, actually, um, on the cover, on the, one on the spine and one on each on the front and back. And I took nine outfits to the event, to the photo shoot. <laughs> yep, sounds like me. And, yep. Yeah, I wore seven. Um, and the photographer was like, we've never had anyone bring so many outfits before. <laughs> um and then Dylan Alcott, I think, was there the week before and asked how many he brought. And he said he only had black outfits. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I'm really pleased with it. And I've also, on, on the book tour, I've kind of coordinated that, that colour scheme. Although I bought something today, um, which is purple. I'm, my favourite colour is purple. And I actually wanted a purple cover. And, and initially the book was going to have a purple theme, but the photo wasn't um, the right resolution for that. So... I had a new photos taken, but I did buy something from Witchery today that is purple. And I texted Danielle, my agent, and I said, "Oh my god, I've just brought bought this." And she said, "Are you going to wear it to one of your events?" And I said, "It's not say hello colors." Oh, 
It doesn't match the colour scheme. <laughs> it doesn't, I know, right? But I was so impressed with the Melbourne launch and how fashionable people were. Everyone was wearing their really bright colours. And, oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Oh, was really you know, I was so nervous. Like, I'm getting the book and I'm like, what kind of photo can I do with this? Because I don't have any colourful clothes like this in my wardrobe. It's all, like, mustard and orange, like, burnt orange. And You could lay it out on a bedspread or something. <laughs> yeah, I also don't have anything bright <laughs> like that. You know, my problem Wrapping paper. My partner is a tradie, so I'm not allowed white sheets anymore because oh, he just no. ruins them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so yeah. excited for, for um, so this, this the day this goes out, hopefully I will have finished the book by then. But at the moment, Saturday, mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the book to arrive. It's meant to arrive Monday. I have the day off. Thank you. To read it the whole day. <laughs> oh, so, how exciting. Yeah, I'm so I, excited um, for that. Yeah. Um, I must say, though, this week, this week has been a week of media. Um, and I've done I've done media previous and like prior to this, but I think this was the biggest kind of week of media with two live TV interviews, and it's been um, my head's been really buzzing, and I can't like I can't I can't switch off. It's really hard. Um, I haven't been able to go to sleep after events or media because I'm just thinking about it. My social media is going off, and it's it's all been positive, but it's just really hard to main like to moderate that and. Mm. I feel the need to sort of like reply or put a like on everyone's post, but it's been hard. Yeah, it would be yeah. hard to keep yeah. track. It's overwhelming yeah. sometimes and yes. sometimes it's overwhelming because it's so good too. Like yeah. even yes. I'll get comments on my Instagram and I'm like, oh, that's so nice. I, I don't know how to respond to that. I know. And then I respond in a really like, I don't know, It's then, then I just worry it might seem generic because mm. there's so many good things, but. Yeah, well, it's hopefully they're good. listening to this and they can they can know that you appreciate this deeply. I do. Yes. Um. One thing I would like to say though, in a in a Facebook group, in a big Facebook podcast group, I saw someone take a photo of someone with the book, which they got excited about. But don't take photos like sneaky photos of people with my book. Mm. Ask them. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because that's something you talk about in the book as well. Yeah. We won't go into it too much because you talked about it on Shameless, but um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that you've yeah. discussed. Um, so speaking about your publication journey, um, uh-huh. can you kind of explain what you have been surprised about this week and and what elements of this you weren't necessarily prepared for? Yeah, I've been really surprised for the outpouring of love. I think I was not prepared for that. Um, I was talking, so I did um, Growing Up Disabled, I'm sorry, well, I am doing Growing Up Disabled in Australia, but I did Growing Up African in Australia, a chapter for that. And I was talking with Maxine Beniba-Clark, who's the editor of that, um, on the phone before I submitted my piece. And one thing that I wanted to mention was um, I have African heritage and sometimes I find a real a real difference in culture with how people respond to my appearance and I don't feel confident mm-hmm. about talking about that because um, it might be seen as racist um, and also I don't want to get any more trolling. And Maxine joked to me that, don't worry, trolls don't read books. So I, <laughs> I was really expecting a heap of like, I don't know, like really ne- negative stuff on the projects, um, Facebook page or just people telling me I shouldn't have written a book or but it, it, the response has been incredible so I wasn't um, prepared for the outpouring of love um, I also wasn't prepared for the tiredness like I feel constantly hung over um, 
after my book launch on the 24th, it was really hot that day. Like I think it was 44 degrees or something and it was so hot. And um, I hardly had any food and I was, you know, talking to people, having photos. So I probably had two drinks that whole night, maybe three at the most. And I just felt so hungover the next morning and I was due to go to work. Again, it was 44 degrees that day and I actually got a text while I was at dinner after the launch to say, don't worry, you don't, you don't have to come to work. And I was joking at work that this was the most exciting thing to happen more than the book launch because I, <laughs> I was so tired. Yeah. But I can understand um, that the adrenaline that you get. Yes. From yeah, this. There's so much. Yeah. Even just looking at the social media stuff, like I'm just constantly on. There's so much adrenaline. I mean, the book launch was so amazing. I had um Bob Evans or Kevin Mitchell, his real name's Kevin Mitchell, do my launch and Kevin and I, I've been a fan of um, Bob Evans for many years and Kevin and I have become friends, I guess, since then. And I asked him if he'd do my launch and he said yes. He's also sang at my wedding, which had been amazing. Oh, <laughs> He's now the person that does all my events. <laughs> events. Um, I'll book him in for my funeral too. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, and he was just so, so lovely. Like I think he was really nervous about it and so – we got together beforehand, like maybe two weeks before, and we had a big prep session. And then, you know, we've been texting um, and we had a phone call. And he he's just been really lovely and his questions were really good. I think people have a real fear about making a mistake around talking about disability perhaps. But he was just so um, sensitive and funny. And I was, you know, I couldn't help but fangirl <laughs> there on the stage. And then there was so many people there. Like it, it sold out. It was two, There were 200 people. Even though it was 400, 400 degrees, it was 400 degrees. <laughs> there were still 200 people, uh, you know, overflowing in the Wheeler Centre. So it was amazing. And, yeah, it was so good. That was really nice. But I was really tired. Like, and I felt tired. Because it was a long weekend last week, I really only felt like I recovered on the Sunday. Mm, mm. Yeah, yep. yeah, I understand. Um, I know you spoke about this in Shameless as well, um, and about emotional labour. And you made a joke that you said to your editor, "I identify as tired." With that clip from <laughs> Hannah Gadsby's minute, but it's so true. I love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, I felt really bad the other day. Um, so I did a heap of media on Thursday. I did an ABC live tv interview and then i did a radio interview it was a pre-record and then i went to work um for half a day and then i had a hospital appointment Mm -hmm. and sometimes because i go to the public hospital system you see different doctors and so and i also i go to this one clinic once a year so it's i'm no doubt gonna see a different doctor each time i go and i was so exhausted and a bit over talking about myself (laughs) and she was asking me about pain and how it feels and I felt a bit rude, but I said to her, I've written a whole chapter on this in my book. I really think you should read it. <laughs> and, then, and she's kind of reading it while I was there. And then I'm like, oh, no, you've probably got to buy it because I felt like I was just giving this to her for free. <laughs> Is that bad of me? I feel really bad about it. I can't stop thinking about it. But I was so tired about talking about myself because mm-hmm. a lot of the questions the doctor was asking me have been some of the media questions. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, which is God. also sort of why we wanted to talk about the, the book side of things as yeah. well. Yeah, I'm sure you're yeah. Thank you. Oh, no, it's been great talking about the writing of the book because a lot of people have asked me and I think when I've got these resources, I can just point them to that, mm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think 
when we had Michelle Elman on, she sort of said a similar thing to you that she would write a lot of her book in little snippets. Um, yeah, like while you know, she was on the train. On, yeah, on the train, like on notes and stuff. And mm-hmm. I was just saying this to, to someone the other day. She's like, oh, I kind of want to do this. I was like, just start. Just start on your phone. Start in a Google Doc. Just you can start anywhere. I think yeah. there's yeah. a perception that you have to have the perfect time and the perfect mm. space set up and but yeah. you know like you, you don't and have Michelle to... Elman are proof that you can just write on the go and do things and get stuff done exactly you don't have to have like you know some beautiful desk and like a nice cup of tea and like pretty writer glasses or something yeah now I'm an author and I'm going to write my book <laughs> because I think that that's what kind of the Instagram um view of writing is and yeah. I was even talking to someone the other day who I met um she she was a friend from America that just came and we met through a friend of a friend. So this was the first time we really interacted aside from Messenger. And I was telling her about my book and she said, oh, I've got such a dream to write a book one day. And I don't know whether she was a writer, but then I gave her my book to give to a friend, to my friend in America um, because we'd been in touch. She's a, this friend of mine in America is a great appearance activist. So I said, can you take this back to Jessie when, when you go? And she did. And then, I said, she said, oh, can I get a book as well? And at that stage they weren't on sale. And I said, um, yes, but you'll have to buy it because I literally have to buy my own copies to give to people. Mm. And like short story, oh, sorry, long story, long story, story, long short story short, that's really hard to say, <laughs> um, is that she, you know, the ATM fee was too much for her to buy my book. It would have made it $42 or something, not 32 And then I sort of apologised how awkward that was. And she said, oh, no, I've just got this perception that the publishing industry is so glamorous and don't apologise at all. You know, I, I didn't really know that you, you had to buy your own book to give away. Mm, that's you know? definitely something yeah. that most people don't realise. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm running a book selling cartel from my house <laughs> and I'm <laughs> I'm ordering a heat online and I'm buying um, – pay- people are paying me via PayPal and I took 11 to the post office this morning. And now my friends are offering to make up an assembly line with me. Oh, my God. order in future. Because apparently in a week's time, Australia Post is going to change their rules. And then I'll have to fill out a customs note for every one of them. And you have to put your name and address and what's in it and all the value oh. and everything. Oh, my God. Oh. So I didn't have to do that this morning. They just put it through as a document. But um, next week the rules are changing. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Just um, making things difficult. Yeah. <laughs> what do you hope, those who have read it or are about to read it, um, what do you hope that they take away from the experience of reading Say Hello? Yeah, um, that you can be confident without makeup, that, you, that it's not the end of the world if you don't have makeup on when you don't go to, when you go to work rather, um, that, you know, just treating people well, just, you know, greeting people remembering those social niceties um also for people with ichthyosis skin conditions and disability um that you know to be confident to be happy know that it will get better know that um you know it will be hard but it will be okay uh, to parents of those types of people um not you know, know that your grief about your child impacts not you're just your child but everybody mm-hmm. um and also to those who are creating um, profiles on Goodreads to leave one-star reviews, I know I shouldn't fixate on the trolls and I'm not, but I, I have seen that this really plays into the ableism of 
the publishing world that you know they're, mm. they're, they're just because you don't agree with how I deal with ableism it doesn't mean that it's a one-star book mm. wow and um yeah. that's something Zoya Patel touched on in her book No Country Woman um and when we chatted to her as well the idea that um there are very different everyone within a minority is an individual so yes her experience of religion and feminism is different to anyone else basically yeah yeah Yeah. and I've written about that that there's one story yeah yeah I've written about that in mine as well there's a chapter called you're doing able uh sorry you're doing activism wrong and Mm. um uh, there's an expectation that you speak on behalf of everyone or um, that this is the way that it should be done. And, you know, as I've said in the front, you know, my this is my opinion and, and others may differ. Um, also, I when I was on the project, they were talking about how I said in the book, I don't want a cure for ableism. I mean, for sorry, I don't want a cure for my condition. I want a cure for ableism. And someone I saw on the on the project's Facebook threads like, well, Carly might not want a cure, but thousands of other people with ichthyosis would want a cure. <sighs> Again, like, again, that's can, their opinion. You can only speak <laughs> yeah. for yourself. Yeah. Also. Yeah. 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 Um, so as we've mentioned before, you are a very, very busy woman. Um, <laughs> and anyone who follows you online will know that as well. You've got some more really exciting projects in the work. And, and you mentioned growing up African in Australia. Um, but yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about that and what other projects you're working yes. on? So Growing Up African in Australia is a project by Maxine Veneva Clark. Um, I think she had two co-editors as well on that and um, it's a book about Australian like by people who identify as African Australians um, and we're telling our stories of um, life in Australia from African heritage so my mum is South African um, and I was born here and I've got a story in that and that is out in April but I also after I got asked to write for growing up um, African I said to my agent um, can I pitch to Black Ink for their Growing Up series because they've got Growing Up um, Aboriginal and they've got Growing Up Queer coming out. Um, I think there's also a Growing Up Muslim or Growing Up Arabic. Um, I'm not sure whether that is by Black Ink though. But they've got a whole series of books on, in the Growing Up theme. And I said, can I pitch Growing Up Disabled in Australia? And she said yes. So I wrote a short pitch really quickly. And then I had a meeting with them. And then that afternoon they said yes, which was amazing. So wow, um, I'm that's editing. so quick. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I'm editing Growing Up um, Disabled in Australia and we're calling for submissions. So anyone that identifies as disabled, chronically ill, mentally ill or deaf or and deaf if, if um, maybe they've got intersectional disability, um, they, um, they're welcome to submit. It doesn't mean that you have to be born in Australia it doesn't mean that you have to have had a disability since you're a child um there's lots of submission guidelines um on my blog and also um on the Black Ink website so I really hope for a diverse range of people to submit um particularly from um marginalized but other marginalized backgrounds Mm. so I hope for an intersectional view uh yeah I'm really excited to do that and that that's my second book deal in a, in a year, so yeah. that was incredible. Congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, Black Ink Books is doing really great work in in those um, those anthology series that they've they've got going on. Yeah, they sound yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
the other thing I'd like to just chat about is are there any other books coming out this year that people should look out for if they've already read and enjoyed Say Hello? Yes. Um, well, there is Growing Up African, as I said. <laughs> um, there's also um, uh, a great book called, oh, now I can't remember. Hang on, I'm just going to open my Kindle. Yeah. Um, I, I can tell you another book. I'm going to be in a Me Too anthology um, in, a, in, I think it's out in May, mm-hmm. which is out with, Macmillan um and I am also going to be in a change makers um anthology which I think is out this week on the 5th um which is by Melbourne University Press so I was interviewed by a journalist um there um okay so the books I recommend I've got my Kindle open now um (laughs) is that there's some great anthologies that have um come out around disability um one is edited by Alice Wong, and I will just find that title for you. I think it's called um, Note, Notes on the Resistance. Sorry, it's Resistance and Hope, Essays by Disabled People. That's available on Kindle, um, and she's got a number of other ways it's available as well, but I think it's only a, um, a ebook for now because it was self-published. But um, if you look up the Disability Visibility Projects, you will find that. Um there's also a really great book that is an anthology called. Um, oh, sorry, I'm not. I'm not getting the search and the no, that's okay. <laughs> and the talking thing um, <laughs> yeah. done very well. What's it called? Is it called Broken? Oh, it's called Unbroken. Thirteen stories starring disabled uh, teens, and that's an American anthology. Um, that is by Marie Newcamp. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's available both hardback, uh, like yeah, hardback and also ebook. Um, I'm really excited for Kia Brown's um, "The Pretty One." Kia is a Black American woman with a disability, and she's amazing. And she started the Disabled and Cute hashtag, and her book I think is coming out in um, August, and that. Um, I think that's a worldwide release, I hope. Um, I haven't ordered it yet, but I will do soon. So that that's really great. Um, I am going to oh, – there's been a couple of other things that I want to that – that I've got on my, on my Kindle that I'm going to read, but they're, they're, not, um, they're not new release though. Mm-hmm. But um, things like um, these are textbook kind of, you know, books mainly kind of um academic texts that I've got to read one by Eli Clare there's another one I think about disability in the arts that's um that has been edited by a number of Australian academics which I'm really excited about as well excellent wonderful although they're not very affordable can we just ask for some (laughs) textbooks to be a little more affordable yeah the cry of uni students yeah yeah right academic (laughs) books are so expensive yeah. Um, yeah. But that yeah. aside, that, that aside. was a wonderful yeah. list of recommendations. Thank you <laughs> I've got a whole list of books on my blog actually. I'll yes. send it on. I'll send it on. Yeah, oh, yes, if, we'll have to Yeah, link we'll link to that. It. We'll link that as well. Um another one which uh I have yet to read but we are really excited for um that came out late last year was Meet Me at the Intersection. Yes. Mm. Oh, that's got Jess Walton's yes. story yes. in it. Yes. Yeah. And also yeah, Jess it. has written a uh, episode of Get Kraken. Oh. which I'm really excited about. I think it comes out in a couple of weeks. Oh, oh my God, awesome. that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so that, that will be great. I'm really excited about that. And I, um, I 
not sure if I'm allowed to say, but I did see her her draft of that when she was working on it. So it it was very <laughs> exciting. Yeah, that's oh, really exciting. Also exciting. Yeah. Okay. Oh um, my goodness. Well, congratulations again, Carly, on you know this wonderful week you've had. I'm sure it's been such a whirlwind. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It has been. I've got more to come. I've got Sydney. I've got uh, Sydney this week. I've got heaps of media, and I've got um, uh, then I've got Perth, Aubrey, Brisbane. Um, Wagga, oh sorry, Wagga's after Aubrey, Brisbane, Canberra and Adelaide, I think. So, yeah. You've got quite the little tour going. Yeah. Yes, it's it's quite fun. And it's also one of the great things is um, a book tour is meant to be quite short and they want to sort of maximise the, um, you know, the media in that week. But I said no, it would have been quite ridiculous to travel all around Australia in that time. So um, I've extended it. It's like four months. <laughs> Good. I love you. that. Continue love it that. going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so oh, much yeah. for joining us on the podcast, Carly, and good luck Thank with the rest you. of the tour. Thanks so much. It's been fun to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Better Words. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you left a rating or review on iTunes. It really would mean the world to us. And you can also find us at our website, betterwordspodcast.com and on social media at betterwordspod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Bye. Bye.